This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Hi, this is Michael Palin, and right now, you are lucky enough to be listening to 102.7 3RRR FM. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Three minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. Welcome to Three Triple R. Welcome to Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhall. And I'm Bron Burton. Bron, this is our 844th show. Amazing. <laughs> we just did a quick, we got the abacus out. We did. Out in the green room. We did. Beads flicking like mad. Oh, crazy beads all over the place. <laughs> 844, wow. So about four years and we'll hit the big, yeah, the big, the big ton. Yeah, the big 1,000. And huge. I, yeah, it, it's, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know, but we're tired, though, aren't we? I mean, we've been standing here for 844. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't always been us. No. Over those many years, 20 of them this year. We'll have to get Tim Allen back in. Yeah, and Dave. Yeah. And the crew. Anyway, there Dave. we are, a little bit of reminiscing. Did you have, there was one of those moments, you know, the Brady Bunch moments, you know, where they used, where the screen went just shimmery? Yeah. Yeah, I had one of those just then. It's a lost art. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tim, very much. He's, Thank you. He's the master of the, his art. He is. He's, he's, he's a master of his art. Kent's, I love Kent's that. giving him a sitting ovation. I never knew that about Robert Plant. I didn't realise that. Anyway, this was something that, that Tim was talking about uh, half an hour ago. I didn't know that about Robert Plant. Oh. He was not the first choice. 
Oh, I didn't hear. I You're must fantastic. have been getting my coffee at that stage. Oh, I just, I love it. I love that. I love all those little facts that Timothy knows. But today, we have all kinds of marine things. We do. A bit of cave diving? Yes, we're crossing to Mount Gambia to speak with our dive reporter, Terry Allen, about um, cave diving. She's teaching a course over there at the moment. And she, she said she'll be out of the cave. I hope so. They start early, cave divers. Sorry. Yes. So I, I programmed some Dave Graney, of course, being <laughs> Mount Gambier's most famous... Um, I was going to call him son. I don't know if he wants to be known as a Maybe son of not, Mount yeah. Gambier. Product. I, didn't want, I, mean, I no, thought product. product I thought product's might be a little bit, bit too impersonal. commercial. Yeah, true. Anyway, playing a Graney track. I should have played a cave track thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next time she talks about or, cave or a Dave Graney track about caves. Yeah, <laughs> could have done that. He uh, Mount no, I, meant, I meant Nick Cave. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I realised that's what I thought I'd flip it. Um, Mount Gambier loaned Dave yesterday to Fairfield. He was I, at the Fairfield I, Primary School. I heard Fair. the station announcements. It's Lucky Fairfield Primary oh, School. Fantastic, Dave, Claire, the Dan Kelly, the whole uh, Dash Naylor. It was wow. brilliant. Kerry Simpson. I, I'm tipping their enrolments might it. go up a bit. <laughs> Or at least the people attending the fate. <laughs> no, it was great. It was a sensational day. Do the kids know that Dave Graney's not going to be there and, and Ash Naylor and... <laughs> no, well, Ash is. Right. Yeah. Ash's kids go Oh, there. okay. Like I'll see. I don't musical, know these things. Look at this really musical school. Very nice. Anyway, it was great. It was sensational. Fairfield Primary School Fair last night. Yesterday. Cool. And um, anyway, so that's that's the cave diving. And then there's Mark Rodriguez going to join us, and he's going to update us on a thousand things. That's right. Festival of the Sea is coming up next weekend. Uh, it's age-old tradition. I shouldn't say that because it might make him feel a bit old. Well, I'm I know sure he's too. listening. It was about 1842 when we did a live broadcast <laughs> yes, down there, wasn't it? it was. <laughs> it was probably it the was. seventh show, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, so we're going to be speaking with Mark about next week's Festival of the Sea, the program that's coming up, a special movie night, which is going to be pretty cool, three marine movies in the one night. So um, be good. And the, some of the filmmakers are going to be down there as well. Oh, wow. So excellent. Really, It's always so sensational. Is it still across kind of like a, a week? Or is it just around the long weekend? Uh, kicks off Tuesday, March 15, and goes all the way through to Sunday, yeah, March 20. I love it. So it's good. I want to find out. They still do the ducks. Oh, they're or, doing or well. version of it because of the whole, you know. If they don't, it'll be false advertising stupid. because there's, there, there are pictures of ducks all over the program I have in front of me. <laughs> So they better have the ducks. Yeah. Well, there's probably just ducks lying around. I love. Oh, the there thing. we go, duck race. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. There's going to be duck. Hey, race. and also I've been doing a bit of um, looking into some of the latest marine science things happening, and I've got a stumbled across this sensational article about genetic testing of fish products, as in like selling fish, fish on sale mm-hmm. in Europe, and finding out how much mislabeling is going on. Ah, oh, yes. Comparing it to places where there's no genetic testing. It's very interesting. I'll talk about that, and also. I've stumbled across some really interesting, you know, you know the imp- I, I have this thing about the impending rise of the sea that we, we know is coming. Mm. And and I do feel like as a whole society we're pretending it's not coming, sticking our fingers in our ears and going, la, 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 can't hear, can't hear, can't hear. And I've come across this really interesting article that looks at the different types of coastal infrastructure we might need to survive, when the, which I think is lovely, the marine environment will get bigger. Mm. I don't think everyone that lives on the coast will enjoy it quite so yeah, much yeah, over the next hundred years. But anyway, hey, we'll, we'll pick up that later. Very interesting. You want to do some weather? Oh, I was, except yeah. I just realised oh, that just I haven't brought the paper oh, in. I love that. 
I, as he says very quickly, I'm, looking up. I'm looking there. at Tim and Kent, and hoping I can catch you know their attention. <laughs> do you know what they're doing? They're talking about anything but. You know, they're going, anyway, so that no, Robert Normally planned. I do a weather report at this uh, point in the show, <laughs> and I've just realised that I've forgotten to bring the, uh, <laughs> the copy of today's paper into the studio. <laughs> we had far too much gas bagging going on. Maybe I'll do a quick news story. I think so. would be great. I've, I've got four options. Okay. From Ooh. which you may choose. Oh, this is like this a morning. It is. A veritable popular. Oh, I'd like to say hello to Oslo, who's listening this morning. Anyway, go for it. Uh, poach, here are your subject choices. Poaching, microbeads. Not eggs. No. no. Poaching, uh, microbeads, helium balloons, oh. or, or ancient corals. Oh, gosh. Which one do you want? I want the helium balloons. You want the helium balloons. This was a great story that uh, that I actually discovered through social media this yeah, week. Yeah. And it was a an article, um, it was actually a, a, a posting that a young woman by the name of Sophie Dye... <laughs> Sorry, I just, just see, Timothy is one of the most accomplished people in radio and I've never seen someone butcher undoing a newspaper. He's so trying to get the plastic, the plastic off the newspaper. It's like a performance art. I wish I had this on film. Hey, sorry. Kent could get his it's, mobile phone I'm out. I'm sorry, bro, I distracted We could put this on our Facebook page. <laughs> sorry, it listeners, it's viral. a visual. I, I just, you know, like, he's seriously one of the most talented people in radio. It just can't open a I can't get them done. I can't do it either. They drive me nuts. That stupid oh, plastic sorry, wrapping. Ron, I distracted it's wrong. From the, the, um, helium balloons. Helium well, it's actually relevant. It's another plastic story. Tim, you're a legend. Tim, Tim has now come in presenting us a broken little piece of plastic. From we've the we've got the paper and about a hundred oh, pieces of plastic. I Thank love you. It. Thank Tim you, Tim. Thought. This is interactive there's, radio. There's no right? no end of things that Tim will do for us. Thank you so helium, much. Let's, let's bring I'm everybody gonna, back you know to what? helium balloons. Yes, so I'm going to do the weather. No, 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 helium, please. Oh, okay. Oh, helium. Let's, we're jumping oh, all over. We are all over the shop today. We're having fun, though. Sophie Dye, a young woman yes. on the Gold Coast yeah. who... Uh, who kind of, I don't know what the term is when you it's not, she didn't poke Koshy, but she kind of got his oh, attention by, right. you know flagging yeah. him through yeah. Facebook yeah. and she wanted to bring to his attention the fact that the Sunrise crew from Channel 7 <gasps> were filming a segment on the Gold Coast and yeah. they were setting up their lights and a camera crew in a tent and giving out helium balloons and while she was down there a few of them escaped yeah. And, not uh, the crew, the balloons. No, the balloons. Yeah. And <laughs> they can't have the Sunrise crew on the lead. No. Well, I don't know. I can't really speak <laughs> oh, for them. Gosh. So a few of them, off they went, and they landed in the water, and she ran down with her sister and picked them up. And a few surfers came in to help as well. But there were there were a few that kind of washed out to sea. And um, she spoke to some of the people giving, actually, this is a point, if they were helium balloons, why did they land on the water? They should have gone up to, well, they to may, the side. But they I'm, may have been a bit cheap on the might, helium. They might have been. Yeah, or maybe you know, they had like weights the, or something. Yeah, on I reckon they're a bit cheap on the helium. But there is a photo with this as well. Yeah, yeah. No, so I think I've seen this. So she's written to Koshi and she said, I would like to ask that Sunrise Channel 7 other businesses stop giving away helium balloons as promotions. The only thing it promotes is the death of marine life. I would like to ask the Gold Coast City Council bans the release of helium balloons on the Gold Coast. So she's kind of making what is really a very big... Yeah, yeah. It's a national issue. She's going in with the local yeah, angle. Good. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, this includes stopping people from giving them out at public and private events. And so what's come from that is... Um, a national ban. <laughs> well, not no, yet. Really? <laughs> but there's currently a petition um, on change.org. So I just wanted to bring this to our listeners' attention oh, because we've had calls from people exactly on this subject yeah. going, it's about time we, we tackled this subject. So 
Good on you, Sophie. Just wanted to give you a big uh, shout-out. I'm sure you're not listening or not able to listen. No. Unless um, she's listening online. She could, yeah, be. she could be. I'm guessing mm. if she's in the Gold Coast. Oh, she might, be she might not even know what Triple R is. But it's, well, it's... She could be a kid with a lot of oomph. You know, well, she clearly quality is. Quality radio. She, she exactly, clearly is, and she's yeah. clearly got her values in the right place. So good on you, yeah. Sophie. And we will put a link to that on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah we'll do. If we'll listeners want to go in there and uh, put their own little stamp on this, sign the petition, put your own comment in. I've done it. And uh, encouraging everyone I know to do it as well. Um, now, you, we, hey, let's do the weather. Let's Why do, the, do weather? the weather. Because after all that effort from Tim, we kind of... Yeah, I know. I want to do it. I know, it's beautiful. Hey, Summer, you've outstayed your welcome. Sorry. <laughs> you have outstayed your welcome. It's going to be 30 today. I'm over you, Summer. Seriously? It's really awesome. You come around you. every year and we love having you, but the party's over, dude. Time to go home. <laughs> Partly cloudy, light winds becoming south to southeasterly, uh, 15 to 25 kilometres now. In the early afternoon, it is going to get to 30, and it is not going to drop below 30 all week. Isn't that bizarre? Oh, it's just, I'm so over it. 30, partly cloudy. I've got a coat and a scarf and a hat and it's not getting worn and I'm just <laughs> ready to be winter. <laughs> Tuesday. I do love a bit of I winter. I have people ringing in and going, shut up. Yeah, I know, because you know in in August, be the up, I'm winter, I'm over you. I'm over you. I'm over you. <laughs> Never happy. Tuesday, 34, partly cloudy. And then uh, Wednesday, 32 and a possible shower. Oh, it's going to be hot and muggy. Don't we all love that? <laughs> Thursday, 34 possible shower. <laughs> Did you get out the wrong side of bed this morning? I'm just over the just hot and muggy. Where the grumps are. I don't think I'm the only one. Friday, 34 and possible shower. So there you go. The, the take-home message is low to mid-30s and uh, going to be steamy for the rest of the week. Steamy. Steamy. This is, I'm not going to point it out, the obvious. But this is climate change. Well, this is certainly part yeah, of it. Let's be clear. This is This is the Gold Coast coming here. Yeah, the bit we don't like. Yeah, yeah. Um, They can keep the Keeling balloons, though. Tide times. Can I do the tides? Oh, sure. Uh, We had a high tide at Port Phillip Heads at 8.56 this morning, and we're heading for a low tide at about quarter to three this afternoon. And the uh, surf forecast, southwesterly swell, continuing to ease less than ideal conditions, dominating along the coasts. And I'm just having a very quick flick through, and it doesn't look like there's much surf around. But if you're uh, if you're if you're a keen surfer and know what you're doing, unlike me, you'll know what what to do and where to go. <laughs> One of the most professional surfing hey. segments I've ever heard. <laughs> I tell it like it is. Doctor Surf's going. Oh, for goodness sake, Bowman. Via the phone, she's in South Australia. In fact, she's in Mount Gambier. Our own dive reporter, uh, Terry Allen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Bron. And Nancy too. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not used to talking to Anne. I know. How you going? So, um, hey, thanks for being on the phone. And you're over there cave diving. Let's let's talk a little bit about Mount Gambia and why it's a special place for cave diving too. Because I'm guessing a lot of our listeners probably um, aren't familiar with with how great it really. It's almost like a cave diving mecca, isn't it, for <laughs> cave divers? Yeah, yeah. So the caves um, are formed in the limestone, and this is called the limestone coast. If any of your listeners uh, like drinking Coonawarra or limestone coast wines. and um, But what does it have to do with marine science, you may ask? So we do have a lot of caves, a lot of sinkholes, cenotes all around Mount Gambia. Um, and also many people may know the big blue lake in Mount Gambia, which is formed uh, in a volcano. Uh, but the marine, marine science link is quite strong because all this area used to be uh, part of a, the ocean and... Um, 
So a lot of the caves actually have uh, remnants of that. We get beautiful fossilised uh, sea urchins, lots of sea urchin spines on the bottom of the caves um, and the tests of the sea urchins, um, as well as uh, land-based um, fossils such as the megafauna, uh, giant kangaroos, etc. So, um, yeah, so it's very, very nice. Beautiful clear water as well. Hey, Terry, what's the difference between a sinkhole and a cenote? Oh, well, there's not a lot of difference. The, the term sinkhole is usually used here. So it's um, usually formed from the um, rainwater uh, forming carbonic acid, dissolves the limestone, that collapses and forms just a straight wall, big sinkhole. Um, I think cenotes are virtually the same thing. It's just that they, that's the name that tends to be used in Mexico. Uh, okay. So, yeah, but they, they have really big cenotes, so... If any, if anyone's seen the um, terrible, unfortunately terrible movie Sanctum about cave diving, <laughs> um, the opening scene is people base jumping down cenotes, which are uh, yeah, incredible. But I, I think they're pretty much the same sort of geology. But um, yeah, so that but they, that term tends to get used more in Mexico. <clears throat> now, cave diving, Terry, it's not just freshwater, is it? A long time ago, I did a, um, a, free, a saltwater cave dive, and it was um, in Tasmania, just down the Eaglehawk Neck. But it, less common, isn't that right? With with cave diving, it tends to be more freshwater. Yeah. So the, the specific, like we're teaching a course at the moment, so we, we teach about sort of silt management and running a line and all that kind of thing. But I mean, definitely the skills that you you know, we teach here a great for the, the sea caves. And, um, yeah, Eagle Hawk Neck, the um, cave system down there is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and there's also um, Fish Rock Cave, of course, in um, New South Wales at Southwest Rocks. And that um, is, a, yeah, a true cave. It goes all the way under the island. It's got full of uh, wobbegong sharks, crayfish, um, beautiful zoanthids and um, uh, corals on the on the walls, um, as well as of course the greenish sharks. So, yeah. So there are um, yeah there are you don't have to of course do courses to do those sort of caves, but um, yeah and fish but, yeah it sort of helps. Fish rock mm-hmm. caves a really good one. Um, Southwest Rocks. If our listeners aren't sure where that is, it's um, is it just north or south of Byron? It's south, isn't it? South. Yeah, just yeah. south of Byron Bay. Yeah. So it's um it's a it's almost like a, an L plate cave dive because mm-hmm. you go in at the beginning and, and it's not it doesn't feel like a cave at all, but it kinda gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And then eventually you're sort of going through this little tunnel at the end and you pop out the other side. I wasn't able to do it when I did it because um, there was too much swell coming in from the other side of the island and it was just too surgy on the other side but um, nearly got all the way through. But um, yeah, yeah, it's an it's yeah. an amazing dive to do. Oh, it's a beautiful dive, and, and you do get into true darkness, so, you know, you do need a good torch and everything. Um, someone, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, someone actually did a free dive. So if listeners are aware, free diving is, is of course, that breath hold diving, um, you know, without scuba and, and just snorkeling. Um, and someone actually managed to do a free dive and went the whole way through, which wow. is quite, a, I think, I don't know, a couple of hundred metres, I think, Goodness. which is very impressive, very, very scary. I mean, I'm a cave diver, and the thought of doing that really <laughs> Yeah. <is crazy. laughs> hey, Terry, I was yeah. thinking about, so so for those marine caves you mentioned, you know, you've obviously got to be aware of the conditions and the swell and the, you know, the various ocean conditions. If you're cave diving on land, you know, around where you are today, Mount Gambia, 
Are yeah. there conditions that you know? Is that does the weather impact on the cave dive, or you know, it's pretty much no, doesn't matter what's happening on the surface, you're okay underneath. Yeah, and that's the real beauty of it is that we can come over here and knowing that we can get in the water and do the dive. The main things that impact are, are all the land-based things like total fire band. You know, we've, we've, we've actually had some fires over here, um, not well this weekend, the last few months. So that can, like some of the places we go to are in the forest and they will completely block access. But also, so we don't, when, obviously there's no current, there's no um, tides, none of that. A uh, lot of algal bloom in summer, so some of the sites can be rather <laughs> murky on the top, and then they get very nice and clear on, on the bottom. Um, but yeah, so the, the, yeah, it's very very different to um, obviously to ocean diving. You don't have all those um, external effects. So, it, yeah. it, so are there different dangers? You know, is something um, specific to yeah. caves? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it, it, over here, especially the sinkholes, you've got depth. Uh, so narcosis got cold. Um, so the water temperature at the top can be twenty, twenty-one at the moment. At the bottom, it'll be thirteen. Mm. Um, so it, you know that that effect of cold can really bring on nitrogen narcosis. So people feel um, confused, dizzy, like a drunkness. Um, the other main uh, problem can be silt, and also getting into tight areas at higher levels. Um, so we, we teach about good, good buoyancy control, using a reel, running a line to find our way back. So a lot of people do the courses here because it really helps them with their marine diving, especially things like going into wrecks or, or just their general diving. So good for photography, you know, that you're not damaging any of the environment while you're floating around doing photography and such. So yeah, but yeah, definitely a lot, of, there are a lot of dangers and there have been deaths over here. Um, but um, we, you know, obviously the courses are very, are all about safety, and, and we're very strict about, you know, lim- limits and, and such. So, and yeah, and you do get very aware of spatial awareness, and you, it's a, a great opportunity to fine tune self control. That was the yeah. thing I really noticed. Um, not that I've done a lot of cave diving, but the the little bits that I have done. Is is that exactly? You have you have to be completely on the ball, and you have to like be within. <laughs> it feels like within a centimeter of precision in terms of what you're doing with everything. You can't afford to, you know, have your fins flapping around and staring up the silt or, or any of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very good. And as you say, you know, when you then get back out into an open saltwater environment, you you feel a lot more in control of everything that you're doing. So, yeah, mm. yeah, and often like, you know, we. Do uh, I do an occasional overseas trip, as you know? Um, but you know, we go away to do you know maybe some deep wreck diving or just normal you know reef diving. Um, and a lot of people comment, you know, on, on our groups and such, and say, well, you know, often oh, you're from Australia, so you sort of know how to dive anyway. But also, you know, oh gee, you know, you can really notice that some of you are cave divers because you're so careful in the water. You know, you've got good buoyancy and trim and and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, which is nice that they actually notice that. So, yeah, so it can be a, a good uh, good skill to That's get right. for everything. Yeah, and particularly that um, being from Australia, but also being from um, sort of southern temperate waters as well, that if you can dive confidently in cold southern waters, you can pretty much, you can dive anywhere in the world. It, it just really opens yeah. things up as opposed to if you go off and do a, a quick sort of three-day course up on the Barrier Reef, you come down here and try and dive in Victoria and get rather a bit of, you know, a bit of a shock. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, we, we've had some people come from Darwin and we've had some from Brisbane and um, 
yeah, it is hard because although they may have done some cold water diving, they don't quite have as much of the skills and being used to dry suits or thick wet suits and, and all that kind of thing. So that's right. So um, yeah, but around this area around Mount Gambia, there is also some reasonable um, marine diving as well. Um, so Port Macdonald on the coast. And then further up there's Robe, and they're known as the crayfish capital of Australia. Um, and in <laughs> fact, I think at Robe, they've got the, the giant crayfish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's fairly easy to drop in there if you want to catch some dinner. And, of course, you need a licence and everything. <laughs> and um, But I have to say, when we come down here, we, we rarely drop into the salt water because we've got all the fresh water here. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, are you going to get a photo of yourself with the giant cray? Because I think we need that for our Triple R page. <laughs> No, unfortunately, it's up in Rome. It's a bit too far. So, no, I'd like to. Maybe I could uh, I could Photoshop something. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time, yeah. Hey, so, thank, thanks, yeah. thanks, Terry. We're going to let you go, and we're going to catch you in studio, hopefully, in um, in a month or so. Yeah, cool. Great. But as long as you're All not right. kind of zooming off to Vanuatu or anywhere, you uh, know. No, I'll be back by then. Excellent. <laughs> Hey, thanks for that. Uh, that was great. speaking to you. Yeah, you Cheers, too. Terry. Bye. 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 Terry Allen. Jumped out of the car. They were on the on the road to, to a dive spot. Wow. Jumped out of the car to take the call. Love it. Hi, I'm Valerie Taylor. Sharks don't really worry me because, as we all know, they're beautiful animals. Another beautiful thing is Radio Marinara, Sundays at 9am on 3 Triple R. Morning, Mark. Hey, Anne, how are you doing? Very well. And Bron. How are you, Mark? I'm really well, thank you. Enjoying a wonderful weekend. And you, you're actually not by the sea right now. No, no. Like I've, I keep taking a bit of time out from the sea, but I wish I was there, actually. It's so so hot where I am at the moment up in uh, the Dalesford area and not a lot of water in sight around here, not even enough to jump into. I managed to find a puddle to get into yesterday, which was lovely. <laughs> I love it. You just go and stand under the shower and... <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> oh, very good. So we're actually catching up with you about Festival of the Sea. Um, and And quipped earlier that it's... Uh, in its 140th year. I don't think it's yeah. quite that much, no, is it? 160, isn't it? Not, not quite as uh, long-lived as Radio Marinara, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're approaching in that time. <laughs> yes, we existed before. <laughs> 16 um, years this has been in, in, uh, on, the, on the go. So, yes, yeah, no, it's a wonderful, wonderful community event and hopefully lots of your listeners will be able to get themselves down over the next, uh, starting Tuesday of, of next week, not this week. Tuesday after the long 15th. weekend, isn't it? That's the one. Yep. And then running through to our big, big festival day on the Sunday, the uh, 20th of March. I was just thinking, um, we mentioned earlier that this is our 844th show and our thousand is almost going to coincide with your 20th anniversary. Oh, my goodness. Is that right? Yes, I think our people better start talking yeah, to your people. We could start that well, planning well, logistics. I hope all of us are still around and present and uh, mind and body yeah, to be there. Exactly. I'm gonna br- I will bring my iron lung and my walking frame. Oh, those little scooters. I quite like those little scooters. Anyway. Yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, all right, let's talk about Festival of the Sea. So March 15 to March 20. What have you got yep. coming up? Well, it's a week of uh, week of weeks for Bowen Heads and uh, for the surrounding communities. We've got a, a huge week which celebrates our links to the sea through the diversity of our environment, history, arts, culture, and lifestyles, and everything that I've just said there is packed into the uh, into the exciting uh, exciting week of events through through Bowen Heads. 
Uh, we kick off uh, with a whole lot of um, activities for the school. Uh, our local primary school is clearly one of our key uh, audiences to, to try and engage engage with. So we've got some great stuff happening at the school. We've got uh, a family science night on a Tuesday, a rock pool ramble with the with the little uh, grade one and grade two kids to connect them down to the beautiful Bar and Bluff Marine Sanctuary the next day, and then a, a big uh, a big event for the school, basically a, a kids teaching kids event on the Friday, which is Bowen Heads Primary School hosting a whole lot of other schools from around the Bellarine Peninsula, just sharing what they know about uh, uh, environments, marine and otherwise, and some of the fantastic things that they're doing in that space. And uh, future marine ambassadors. Well, we we hope so. They do a great job. Uh, the Bowenheads Primary School that you might you might be aware of from from previous sort of uh, uh, shows. You've uh, talked about some of the coastal awards uh, recipients, and they picked up one of the coastal awards, or at least were highly nominated. I can't remember whether they got it or not, but for the uh, plastic bag free Bowenheads uh, program, which is very much an initiative of the primary school and some of the local environment groups. And it's starting. Uh, yeah, to- it's starting to spread, isn't it? And it's so heartening to see coastal towns standing up and leading the way, you know, really leading the way with this whole plastic bag free, uh, in- initiative. And it's a revolution and it, it's, it started in Anglesey and it's really wonderful to see Bowen Heads plastic bags in, uh, Torquay, Spre- plastic bag free Torquay, I think they're it's calling themselves now. Faster than the plastic yeah. bags are. Yes. Yeah, no, which is a good no, thing. It's a, it's a great, it's a great thing. And, and, you know, for kids to be actually leading that charge is, you know, they understand, mm. I think, the issues probably a lot more than the rest of us do. And, you know, it's great to, to be able to again, engage them and see what they're doing and particularly for them to share. Uh, what they're doing at their school with some of the other schools in the peninsula because some great work that's happening in schools. But it's not only all about schools. We've got lots of opportunities for other people to be involved as well. We've got a, a wonderful couple of seminars uh, happening through the week on the Thursday uh, one of our committee members, John Burke, has put together a fantastic program looking at early people in the sea, which is a little bit of a bit of a um, bit of a montage of sort of some of the Aboriginal settlement and uh, settlement and use of the area, the cultural history of that area. Uh, but also, we've got some opportunities to look at some of the uh, the uh, more recent cultural history shipwrecks and things like that. The uh, wonderful Don Love is coming all the way across from Albus to do a bit of a thing on shipwrecks of the local area. Awesome. And we've got uh, we've got some uh, some great things happening there. And then on the Friday, uh, there's a free sort of seminar focused on the estuary, finishing up with the uh, world famous now green drinks at the bowling club. Uh, you've got to get to the Bowenheads Bowler at 4:30 for a, for a green drink or two, and, and talk about all things sea. But we're going to spend a bit of a, a bit of time in the afternoon wandering around the mangroves, checking out the mud, and maybe finding a moon snail or two. Very nice. Now we need to talk about marine film night. And, then, and the ducks. Night. I want to talk about the ducks. Well, and, and then we'll talk well, about the weekend. We'll talk ducks. We can talk films. We can talk everything. Uh, but certainly, we've actually got two film nights uh, during the week. On the Wednesday night, there's a surf film night uh, featuring uh, featuring a great classic uh, uh, surf film. And then on the Thursday night, the one that I uh, hope that you, one of you, or maybe both of you, might be able to get down to, we've got uh, a marine films night. Uh, the, the feature attraction is Melbourne Down Under, which I'm sure you've talked about in the past. And uh, Jared Board and Sherry Morris. Is a wonderful expose of the life beneath the uh, waves of Port Phillip Bay. Sensational. Uh, it is indeed. Uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, listeners, get yourselves down. Do yourselves a favour, as, uh, as the bloke <laughs> that Matt used to say, and get out there and uh, go and check that one out. For showing free in many locations around the state. Uh, but we've also got a couple of uh, short films uh, produced by a couple of our lo- more local sort of filmmakers. And Jared's actually an Ocean Grove boy himself. Um, but we've got Alan Beckhurst, who's going to be doing, give us a bit of an expose of what the H- ex-HMS Canberra looks like these days as it's transformed from wreck to reef. And it's a magnificent place to go dive.
diving, uh-huh. for those of you who've never been there. Um, and the other, other filmmaker is John Foss, uh, a surf filmmaker who uh, did a film uh, with Parks Victoria a couple of years ago called Blue Bells, which is essentially a, a bit of a look beneath the waves of Port Phillip, uh, not Port Phillip Bay, beneath the waves of Point Addis Marine National Park and uh, a great uh, a great opportunity to actually have a bit of an understanding of what's going on beneath the surface uh, of those magnificent surf surf environments. There's a great... There's um, film nuts. There's a great ad that's doing the rounds on social media um, at the moment, Mark, which I'll we'll put a link to on our Facebook page. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an old Kingswood ad from the 1970s. And this Kingswood is tearing along the beach, and it's very clearly the point at his cliffs behind it. Oh, I haven't actually I've, seen that one. I'll, I'll, uh, I think it's a Monaro or something like that, isn't it? Isn't oh, that I, thought it was a King, I thought it was a Kingswood, but anyway. And yeah, the hooded plovers. Yeah, no, whatever, whatever it is. It's flying. The nude beach is not looking quite the same as the <laughs> Yes, somebody did put a quip up on that saying, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the nude that was beach. The nude bit, yeah. But there's only some, uh, there's a random fish, a bloke fishing. So, um, anyway, very very quick wrap up of what's coming on the weekend because that's the, partic- the weekend. particularly for the out of towners. Um, yeah, this will be the. We've got a couple of things happening. Sun, uh, Saturday's got a few things happening around the main street of Bowen Heads. We've got an arts work, walk later in the afternoon, so that's a chance to have a bit of a look and involve yourself in some uh, some creative activity. Kaz uh, uh, McGlynn, one of our local artists, has, has put together a fantastic program in some of the shop fronts and spaces in the main street. Uh, we've got some music down on the foreshore. Uh, we've also got what's called the, the potluck dinner put on by the sustainability group, which is essentially bring a plate, something potentially homegrown or certainly local produce, uh, to do that. And then on Sunday, it's it's the big day, starting from pretty early in the in the day, from about nine onwards. There'll be uh, things happening. Uh, we've got uh, a bit of a kick off with the, with the tides of welcome, our local choir, uh, and then there's music pretty well wall to wall through till six o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we've got a whole range of activities happening on the day itself. Uh, a couple of interesting spaces. Uh, one of our former um, uh, poets of Bowen Heads, unfortunately now deceased, uh, John Green, is is remembered through what's called the John Green's living room. It's a a bit of a conversation space to talk about matters that are important to people who live in Bowen Heads. Uh, we've got uh, the famous duck race, as you mentioned, at 2.30. Now, the duck race itself is a fundraising event. It's uh, the way that we actually get to pay for everything else that happens throughout the week and keep everything uh, free. Uh, people can buy a duck, and then the ducks are launched off the ozone jetty, travel travel at top speed down to uh, down to a finish line, and uh, the lucky person gets to pick up a whole lot of prizes. The lucky winner gets to pick up a whole lot of prizes. And in keeping, yeah, with our, in keeping with our discussion before about plastic pollution in the ocean, they are all collected and none stay. Uh, look, I'm glad you mentioned that, Anne, because um, it's one of the, the great uh, proud things about the Festival of the Sea Ducks is the fact that not one single duck no has escapes. ever, in 16 years, yep. ever been lost to the environment. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, I had a dream once about the uh, the great uh, duck uh, experiment of Bass Strait, <laughs> looking at ocean circulation <laughs> as, as a thousand plastic ducks poured out the Bowen Estuary and <laughs> into the best trade, but fortunately that's never happened and come to reality. So yeah, we're very, very pleased to say that all ducks so far have been fully accounted for. No ducks have been hurt. Exactly. Fantastic. And uh, I just noticed too on the program, Tiny Giants are playing. So Tiny Giants, of course, very big Triple R connection here uh, through through Sarah Carroll and Chris Wilson. So that's wonderful. So they're they're headlining immediately after the duck race. So fabulous. Indeed they are. So look, it's a musical extravaganza. It's a cultural extravaganza. It's an environmental extravaganza. So get yourself down to Bowen Heads in the, in the week between the 15th and 20th and enjoy yourself. Awesome. Everything's available online. Um, we put a link on our app. Facebook um, right yeah. now. Uh, festivalofthesea.org.au is the, is the place to go for the W's.
Hey, thank you, Mark. And no worries. We want to we want to come down again. We had so much fun last time we came and did an OB. So let's um you know our people and your people yeah, we'll being talk. that let's, let's, we'll, let's go we'll and have talk. a coffee we'll and we'll talk about it. Thank you very much. But yeah, Mark Festival of the Sea Bowen Head starting on Tuesday week. It is sensational. Hello, this is Michael Lunick, and right now you're listening to independent listener supported radio three triple R FM. And thank you, Michael. Indeed, you are. This is Radio Marinara. We've got about eight minutes to go, seven minutes to go. The doctors are lining up outside for another sensational show about medicine. I, you know, I, I, I think we've run out of time to do two things, Ron, so I'm just going to do one thing. I think that I've been really struck. I was reading a little article this week that was entitled Low Mislabeling Rates Indicate a Marked Improvement in European Seafood Market Operations. Now, it sounds a bit dull. And I got into it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness me. So the story is that about 10 years ago, there was a big... I don't know if you remember the mislabeling of meat that happened in Europe, you know, mm. horse meat and everything? Yes. Well, there was an even bigger kind of mislabeling of fish. Yes. But it wasn't using yucky stuff. It was just trying to sell more high-value stuff at cheaper, cheaper levels. And so there was this huge, basically right across Europe in the EU, they just kind of went, you can't really trust what a fish is unless you see the fish that they cut it from, you don't know what it is. The same problem still exists here. It's getting better, but we still have the same problem. In Europe, they've got on top of it. Right. It's extraordinary. So over the span of the decade, basically because of genetic identification techniques, they've progressively kind of exposed the inadequacies in the the food chain. And there were these huge unrecognised levels of fraud. And now they've got this, they did this big multi... going to quote it, latest and largest multi-species transnational survey of fish labouring accuracy to date. And it suddenly is a huge reduction in fish mislabeling. And it's because they've got their genetic tools. So they can go to fish markets and they can just test whether these things are what they say they are. How do they test them? Is it like a little probey thing? I think they've got two ways. Some of them they take back to the... There are little probey things that are coming, but some of them they take back to the the lab and do this. But this particular survey was pretty kind of... I've got to read it out to you because it sounds a little bit like, you know, an old-style science survey. They they went... Survey says... says, We obtained fresh, frozen and tin products labelled as... and So they looked at cod, tuna, haddock, anchovy, monkfish, hake swordfish soul and place 19 real real retailers sorry retailers in 19 cities in france germany ireland portugal spain and the uk in 2013 2014 and then they had the proper replication and extensive facial coverage they surveyed between two and four cities in every country and then here's the bit that i love we collected tissue samples stored them in molecular grade ethanol and subsequently transferred them to the laboratory and genetically identified using a suite of established genetic tests so they basically went back to the lab with a whole bunch of um test tissue and test tubes and kind of went what is it and the punchline is they they got 1563 samples only 77 were mislabeled. Wow. Less that's than un- 5%. That's pretty good. It's extraordinary. There were some fish, swordfish, place and monkfish, did not detect any mislabeling. None at all. No. And if you think about it, monkfish actually, monkfish fish looks, you know, a fillet looks like monkfish, you know, swordfish looks like, so it's hard to substitute. The ones where they did get it was hake, 
kind of boring whitefish. You right. know, it could be anything, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and tuna, of course, because it's high value. Yeah. But they only are actually anchovies. And that was mainly in Spain. Because in Spain they have so many anchovies, I think they just kind of call anything anchovies. Right. <laughs> and we have the same thing here. To a degree. I think so, as yeah. Well. The, high, the high value stuff. Yeah. And so they, they basically kind of went, um, and, and, and country by country, the, the countries were 3% mislabeling in Ireland, less than th- or 3% in England, 6% in Germany, 3, 2.7% in um, France. So it was really remarkable. Do you think it's to do with the genetic advances so much or are they just more tightly regulated fisheries? Spot on. And that's it. So they went and had a look at the US where it's a different regulatory um, sector and the most recent examples in the US, similar kinds of fish between 12 and 41% mislabeled labelled. Right. And in the US, which you think is one country, so you should be able to have standardised, um, you know, rules, they haven't got standardised rules. Mm. And so... Um, it's kind of a bit freer, it's a bit more interpretable by the... It's a bit more self-regulated. But in Europe, where it's actually regulated, and the and the, the guys that did this survey go on to say that actually we think that the it's clear documentation, it's clear regulation, it's clear enforcement of the regulation using these genetic tools. So people know you can't hide now because you've got right. those genetic tools. And in the US, they don't use the genetic tools. They're only just starting to. Right. So, so it's still getting, still getting away with a lot. Yeah. We're going to have Jonathan Davis in studio in the next couple of weeks. So he is the current executive officer for Seafood Industry Victoria. So this will be a really good question to put to him in terms of, you know, you think in Australia we are one country made up of a bunch of different states and territories, jurisdictions. Yep, not similar to the US. Yes, very similar to the US. Um, But we're still only one country. And so if, if it can be got together in other parts of the world with multiple countries who all seem, is, is this a European it's Union? It's a European, exactly. It's the EU. It's an EU directive, which, of course, everyone pushes back on. Oh, I don't want to be told what to do. Yep. And, and they all want to be on the same playing field because none of them want another country to potentially have an advantage. Whereas here, there's one country, a bunch of states and territories, different laws, different regulations, all applying and then you have state versus commonwealth waters as well yep. which is another issue it's it's not just a matter of what kind of lands in the marketplace it's how they're actually caught and then how those how those industries are regulated and so i think you know i think what you've done is you know, you've kind of picked it up you've kind of said okay so there was a there was a, a, a you're, the way the, the authors of this um particular um article who are uh, i'm trying to find where they're from are they from the uk from spain from germany from france from portugal and from ireland there's an author from each country they, they make the point that all land all this needed was two things and that was one standardized set of regulations and a tool that people knew you couldn't cheat yes and that was it and then and all of a sudden it started to become self-regulated yep because they're not out there actually doing this every day it's just that they know you can get caught and there is a rule i was going to ask what what's the enforcement around this i think they've just they just got inspectors um, right. you know like um you know i forget what they're called in like not quarantine, but agriculture expectors, yep. you know. And every once in a while, they use these tests to, to check things. Okay, so they're like they're random spot tests. Very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Love a bit of that. Hope yeah. The music started. Yeah. Well, we'll continue this discussion with Jonathan Davy when he comes in. Um, hmm. And I didn't look at what the Australian and I, we may be doing this in Australia and Victoria, but this was just a particular article that came up that had found that huge increase it, or, or decrease in, in fraud. It's definitely improved in recent years. It has. I think There's, it has here too. Rather than having one fish with ten different names. Yeah. This has been a podcast oh. from Free Triple R, one hundred two point seven FM in Melbourne. 
truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.